I'm Kasper Szymanski, and this is SEO in 2023. Casper, what's your number one SEO tip for 2023? Hi, David. Um, one of the tips I consider a great best practice, and it's proved time and again to be really a phenomenal recommendation for large websites, is saving, preserving, and actually utilizing, meaning analyzing, um, raw web server logs. And the vast majority of websites does not take full advantage of that opportunity, even though they could and even though they could greatly benefit uh, from that opportunity. Superb. Okay, so I'll ask you a very short question as a follow-up to that, and that is why? Well, that's a good question, David. Why? The reason uh, for utilizing server logs is because you want to know rather than guess. And allow me to elaborate in brief. Typically, for a large website, there is a volume of landing pages that are included in the sitemap. And there might be another volume of web pages, of landing pages, that are desirable. Think of the cash cows, the stuff that we want to have crawled on a regular basis and indexed. Now, those two do not necessarily overlap 100%. In my experience, and I've been doing this for a really long time, there is frequently a very small overlap. But where server logs come in is that we actually using server logs that cover an extended period of time, where we put ourselves in the position that we can actually tell. We'll be able to say, okay, this is what we tell Google and other search engines we care for. This is what we actually care for to be crawled and indexed. And these are the landing pages that the website of the website that the search engines do prioritize themselves. Now, in an ideal world, there would be a 100% overlap between those three volumes of landing pages if you want. But the experience shows that there is frequently very little overlap. Only with using server logs, we put ourselves in position to say, okay, we can improve that. This is where the crawl budget management, especially important for large websites, comes in. But it doesn't stop there. Having server logs at hand that cover, again, an extended period of time, not just merely a day or a week, but you know, like we're talking six months to a year, we can actually tell how are our server responses? And among the most important ones are, of course, the, the HTTP responses. Are we responding with 200 OK? Or do we have soft 404s? Are our 200 OK, in fact, error pages? All of these things we can only tell if we run a server log analysis. Unfortunately, most websites do not take advantage of that. And that's a loss. And that's something because SEO is becoming more and more technical all the time, that's something that large websites can take great advantage of if they start saving and preserving server logs today. Is it not possible, though, to get um, information like that, 200 OK, Software 404s, from online crawl tools? Or is that specific information that you're talking about that um, is only available by looking at log files? Yes and no. You can gain some insights, and that's a very good point you're raising, because there is, for instance, a Search Console, there is Big Webmaster Tools. Google Search Console, uh, to, to pick up on the Soft 404 point, which can be a sore point for large uh, retail websites. Google Search Console does indicate Soft 404s, but it's only a sample. Only with server logs can we actually tell how much of the crawl budget of a website goes towards landing pages that cannot generate uh, revenue because there is the item that used to be um, sold on those landing pages because those items are gone, either sold out or unavailable at that point in time. 
So we can gain some insights from third-party tools, including Search Console, including other crawlers, and there are great crawlers out there, as you know, but server logs are a critical element. Yes, it's possible to have an SEO audit uh, without server logs, but with server logs, the insights are so much more precise. Another very important point is to identify why does a website fluctuate? And once more, it's possible to figure out without server logs. But having server logs, we can actually tell very frequently, for instance, there is an increase in bot activity before a website is dropped. Because Google, is trying, Google, Google bots are, or Google algorithms are trying to figure out what's the website about. So all these correlations are highly relevant from an SEO perspective. Yet again, only visible if we do have server logs at hand. You mentioned why does a website fluctuate? Uh, wh what do you mean by that? Oh, I was referring to a rather common question that we do encounter while working with clients or prospective business partners, if you want. And that is, I've got a substantial website, it's a substantial brand, um, but it goes up and down in Google uh, search visibility. And um, can you elaborate why? Can you explain why this is happening? We would like to have it, you know, probably on, on up into the right trajectory, but at the very least, we would like to have it very stable. An awful lot of time, this is something that can be corroborated when you look into the data. So this is a very important, very common question, even for large websites. And here, server logs is something that is incredibly handy to have in order to, to utilize it, in order to address questions very specifically, very precisely. But large organizations frequently do not record them. And the problem here really is server logs that have not been recorded can never be retained. You know, they, cannot, they cannot be recovered in, 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 in no, no matter, no way. Uh, either we do record them or we don't. Another problem really is that uh, organizations tend to only partially record server logs or retain them for a very short period of time. And that's, again, problematic because it doesn't allow for a holistic picture. And that's very important in SEO. I'd like to drill into Soft 404 in just a little bit more depth. And that obviously happens when a server responds with a 200, but um, Google thinks that it should be a 404. So why does Google typically think that it should be a 404? And what can an SEO do to fix it? I really like the fact that you're saying Google thinks it's a 404 because frequently a soft 404. And because I wouldn't say frequently, but at times... It's not accurate. What actually happens is that if we happen to have a landing page that expired, um, let's take a commercial item that's been sold out or it becomes unavailable for, or, or a concert, you know, that, that gig is over, it's unavailable. In Google's mind, that should be a 404, right? Um, now, it's, if it returns to 200 OK, users find that landing page, they, they go to that landing page from SERPs, the server response remains 200 OK, yet on the landing page, it actually says unavailable. We don't have that. That's a typical soft 404. So Google does recognize that an awful lot of time. They recognize the server response and they, res they recognize the content on page. But that content on page recognition isn't flawless, meaning there are frequently instances where Google says, oh, look, you have soft 404s on your, on your website. However, it's just that, that negative wording they pick up on. And these are actually decent 200 OK relevant landing pages in place. So only with server logs are we in the, do we put ourselves in a position where we can actually tell, okay, are these real soft 404s? And if they are, what are we going to do about it? Uh, ideally, we want to either make these real 
404s, custom 404s, my favorite. So this is still a website that says 404, but it provides some additional added value. It provides an alternative for the user to, to keep that lead, to, to keep the user on the website in a meaningful, for the user relevant way, provide an alternative path to navigation. Or no index those, another alternative. But all these alternatives are not really available to, to the website operator, to the publisher, short of having the analysis at hand. And that analysis is better provided with server logs at hand. When you say serve a custom 404, is it possible to serve a bespoke 404 based on, for instance, um, the category of the website that the user happens to be on? So it's either you, you, you must be consistent, of course, or in search engine's mind, you've got to be consistent. Uh, so if you were to provide a different response to bots and users, that's something that Google possibly might frown upon that that might be considered user agent clocking but 404 really is something that should be utilized if the content is gone it's if it's if it's not coming back anytime soon and that's that's google's perspective of course this is an, an ideal scenario it doesn't always happen at times uh, publishers are of the opinion that um, they can retain some some of their page rank uh, equity, which is very debatable because we're talking about uh, you know, sales pages, landing pages with products. They typically attract very little uh, page rank equity to begin with. But they try to retain that equity uh, by trio and redirecting those effectively 404 pages to the root or to the category, uh, creating yet more soft 404. So this is a large topic. You're, you're very right. We could be talking for a long time about server logs, <laughs> but we could be talking for a really long time about soft 404s uh, as a separate topic, really, that is quite relevant to a lot of websites. But the, the, the bottom line really is 404s are there uh, for a reason. They help the user understand, okay, this is not available. They help the search engines to understand the same, and they help us to make sure that user experience is a good one, that it's preserved. And that's actually a critical element, because if Google understands based on their data that user experience isn't great, that's actually something that causes websites to drop the organic search. So we want to avoid that from happening. Okay, so let's step back and have more of a broader Next question, just about log files. So how do you go about preserving your website's log files? Um, where is best to store them? And I guess what software is best to use to access them in an easy manner? So that, that's actually something that has to be solved individually because every website is different. Every architecture, every technology setup is, is different. Uh, uh, an awful lot of time, large organizations with a lot of websites merged have a variety of solutions in place. Saving and preserving uh, can be done, it should be of course done in, in a safe manner in terms of your know, safety and, and data integrity. So that depends really on the setup, that depends on, on the facilities of the organization, but it can really be done on, on, on separate uh, physical hard drives. Uh, these tend to be not that expensive nowadays, that is one of the points frequently raised as, as an objection. So uh, is it going to be very expensive? And my answer typically to that is not at all. Not if you're looking at the cost of, of uh, you know, generating data for SEO. It's a relatively minor cost, especially for a large organization. The other points raised or the other object, objection raised is the legal concern. 
And that's a valid concern. Now, I do not provide any legal advice. I have no legal background, if you want. Uh, my background is pure SEO-focused. But uh, there is no legal limitation to, to utilizing raw web server logs if they're anonymized. Uh, keep in mind that, that you know, if, if you're analyzing, if you happen to be analyzing uh, uh, raw files, you're only interested in bots. So the entire part where there has been users, actually real human user accessing the website, that's of no consequence. That, that can be completely dropped. The most important part of that data, the data treasure trove really that can be built up over time is verified bot entries, uh, mostly major bots. So we're talking Google bot, we're talking Bing bot. Now, once they have been isolated, that data does not pertain to any human user, and that's the really important data. So yes, it, it does touch on, uh, on uh, GDPR, and there is uh, in the US there is a CCPA, I believe, is the acronym for the legal framework that touches on on data, but it's not user data we're looking at. So so neither saving and preserving in terms of cost, nor saving and preserving in terms of legal obligation or legal requirements, neither of those pose real roadblocks to actually utilizing this. Uh, however, I am afraid I cannot provide any tangible advice as in terms of how to save and preserve it in the most efficient or most cost-efficient way, because it comes down to the actual individual organization and the individual setup. Is it useful and worthwhile to combine log file data with Search Console data? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. These are among my favorites. And as a Google fanboy for, for a really long time now, I also want to say uh, Bing Webmaster Tools is equally uh, relevant and great to verify the data that you're finding. But, you know, there's alternatives. Uh, Majestic, as you know yourself, uh, is a fantastic tool. There are other great tools out there. I see that situation a little bit from a, the, the more the merrier perspective. So you want to have as much relevant and fresh data as possible, but you also want to utilize a number of tools, both as data points, but also for the analysis. Best case scenario, you're going to be able to verify the findings. And if they contradict each other, you can you can dive a little bit deeper, you can drill in the code. So yes, absolutely, by all means, it does make sense to combine those together. So you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2023. So now let's talk about what SEOs shouldn't be doing. So <laughs> what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEOs shouldn't be doing in 2023? Well, I've been preaching this for a really long time, and I still stand by you shouldn't be building links for patron purposes. Yes, it can work, obviously. Otherwise, Google wouldn't be penalizing building links for patron uh, purposes. But it's a very much two-edged sword. You never, ever know whether the efforts you're exerting, the budgets you're, you're deploying, whether this is not a complete waste of your resources and of your money. And it can always trigger Google's wrath because Google stands still by you know, the recommendation or the, 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 really the, the Google Webmaster guideline that building links is a violation, that links should be merit-based. Hence, websites that choose to build links or do not clean up their legacy backlink, backlink issues run the risk of being penalized by Google and this is something to be avoided. Every penalty can be fixed, but I think for large brands it's much, much better to actually not take that risk because it's a business risk after all. 
Casper Szymanski is director at Search Brothers, and you can find him over at searchbrothers.com. Casper, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2023. Thank you, David. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Get your copy of SEO in 2023, the book, over at seoin2023.com. Oh,